Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas change the world. And it's the world we want to talk about today. The world is a messy place. And understanding how the world works, um, quite frankly, uh, is a challenge. There's all sorts of um, data we can aggregate on the world. And, uh, and then we have the unusual opportunity of taking that data and somehow understanding it. And visualization tools help. Uh, but <clears throat> understanding this data uh, are in the hands of many different analysts who realize their interpretation of the data can shape the narrative, shape the story, if you will, that is going on in the world. And shaping the story, shaping the narrative is, uh, is actually one of the most um, interesting, provocative, sometimes, uh, quite frankly, uh, polarizing uh, thing you can do. And, uh, and manipulative in many cases too, but understanding the narratives that are out there is important for all of us to realize because they shape how we view the world. Um, I was turned on by one of our great conversation alumni, that is somebody who's been on the podcast and also in our physical forums. Uh, I was introduced to a man who has lived and, um, and internalized uh, the dynamics of Latin America for years, has turned that into a business uh, that uh, basically uh, understands what is going on in the world, can apply it to business, technology, and of course, security and safety as well, doing risk assessments and predictive analysis in the Latin America emerging markets. His name is James Bosworth. And Boz, thank you for coming on The Great Conversation. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. So let's let's dig on that a little bit. We we don't have a lot long period of time, but I I think there is a lot of value for our listeners to understand where you come from, and then I'd love to explore a number of different ways uh, you have shown up in the world and uh, and having an impact on it as well. But give us a little background on you, your company Hexagon, and some of the things you're doing. Sure. Uh, thanks. Uh, so I, I grew up on the southwest side of Chicago, went to college in St. Louis, studied abroad in Chile. And, and uh, my, my mother was born in Argentina. And somewhere in there, I, I caught the Latin America bug um, and started studying Latin American politics. Um, after college, uh, nobody actually tells you what to do with Latin America expertise, not to say you're an expert after an undergraduate degree, but you know, I, I had some level of interest and expertise and really wanted to apply it. And there was nothing, you know, there. And so I, I started working U.S. politics. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I worked U.S. politics for about a year. My resume was going around. And one day I got a phone call and someone said, hey, we see you know about Colombia. And the first words out of my mouth were the country. Um, I, I was so shocked someone actually asked me about Latin America. And the next thing I knew, I was working for a defense contractor in Bogota. Um, and, and, and I worked my way up from junior Columbia analyst to senior Latin America analyst to director of research. Um, and from there in 2009, due to life circumstances, my wife, uh, my wife's job was going to take us abroad. Um, I went freelance. And so I, uh, I didn't know what to do with freelance. 
uh, you know, it was, it's, it's hard to say exactly what that means. It really means just you, you put, you, you sit down, you write down a list of, uh, you know, potential people, you know, and clients and potential clients, and you start emailing people and being like, hi, I'm freelance. What can I do for you? Um, but it, you know, I did a lot of different things, but over time I kept getting drawn back to Latin America and, uh, it, and, 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 you know, my current company started in 2017 after there's the, 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 the roller coaster of business, um, takes you a lot of different places, but, but my current company started in March of 2017, uh, Hexagon. I do political risk analysis and bespoke research in emerging markets. And in that sense, there's, there's sort of two sides to it. One is the political risk analysis. I, uh, I, you know, basically look at the region, uh, and, People will call me up and ask me questions about what does Lopez Obrador's security policies in Mexico mean for my company? Uh, how is this election in Brazil, where Lula Silva was elected, going to impact financial policy or agricultural policy? And I answer those questions uh, as best as I can. I have a network around the region who I can tap. Uh, you know, I am a regional expert, but there are plenty of country experts. People in Brazil know more about Brazil than I do. The people in El Salvador know more about El Salvador than I do. Um, and I tap into those country experts anytime I, I, I can to, to really get an in-depth understanding of what is going on in each country. Uh, the second step part is bespoke research, and that's also about tapping the network and really deep diving into specific questions uh, that companies have around the region. And you know, that's, you know, it depends. It's some of it's competitive intelligence, some of it is due diligence. And, uh, and between those two jobs, uh, I also, you know, write a newsletter and I have a public presence on writing about Latin America. I mean, just, just to back up for a second, uh, I started blogging about Latin America in 2004, uh, joined Twitter, I think in 2009 and uh, blogging's by Boz. Um, blogs are, are sort of out of style at this point. I still go by the blogging's by Boz moniker. Uh, now I'm on Substack. And, you know, writing about Latin America has given me a brand, a public face as well. Uh, and, and so that's sort of the, the other aspect to it. I have a business and then I have a, a public facing almost media outlet uh, in which I write about Latin America. Right. Now, uh, just so we understand you as a business person, when you talked about the political uh, impact on, uh, on business, uh, and you talked about bespoke research, they, they kind of merge a little bit, don't they? Oh, they absolutely do, right? I mean, I, I mean, but uh, there, there's certainly uh, there's certainly a, a big overlap, right? In the sense that understanding what's going, if you want to understand how your company is going to operate in Argentina, uh, it's not just about who your specific partners are or what you know what the situation is on the street in front of your office. It's also about the national political scene, right? So political risk analysis always impacts the bespoke research, but the bespoke research is interesting because you're never going to find a media article, uh, hopefully you don't, um, you know, describing the, the potential corruption of your business partner in Argentina or your supply chain in Argentina. Um, you're not going to find that, that media article describing exactly which gang is in charge of the street corner um, in, on which your office building is. Um, and so the bespoke research sort of is able to go on the ground and deep dive beyond where the open source is available. Got it, got it. So I'm the CEO of a company and um, I have a business model. I have a go-to-market strategy. Uh, I have a certain amount of pricing, uh, all the operational details about entering a market and hopefully being highly competitive in that market. And yours is more nuanced. You're not going to look at my business model and how it might change or get customized for Argentina. You're going to look at it more from a, uh, a risk 
assessment of the business while uh, given the model that you already have. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I, and you know, one of the things that my business does is it solves the total sovereign problem. The, the everybody knows, right? Sometimes you, you you enter a market and you think you know everything about it, but once you're in there, it turns out that everybody knows. Um, your business will fail because your competitor is bribing the government. Your business will fail because um, your your supply chain has a certain corruption issue or gang infiltration, right? And once you just get on the ground, you may know it. But if you're sitting in an office building in New York City, you would never actually have that information available to you. It's really easy just to go do a couple interviews and learn what the conventional wisdom is on the street um, that it may be very different from what you're reading either in the international media or even in the local media uh, in each Latin American country. That's a perfect description. Thank you so much. But I'm going to add one more nuance just so I understand, because you do talk about writing about politics, economics, security, and technology in emerging markets. Give me an idea. I understand politics, economics, and security now because of the discussion we've already had. Tell me about technology. What do you mean by that? What, what, what do you do from a technology standpoint? Sure. I, I do a couple different things from a technology standpoint because obviously technology ends up impacting political risk as well as security risk. Um, it, so at times I've I've looked at the cybersecurity component. Um, there are specific cyber threat actors that, that impact Latin America, and there are ways in which other international cyber actors come into Latin America. We saw a Russian hacking group take down a bunch of government servers in Costa Rica earlier this year, uh, for example. Um, I also look at how technology may spread the, the movement of protests. One of the big things that I focused on over the years is, is sort of predictive analysis and understanding what will cause protests and why would protests expand in any given country and obviously technology plays a major role in terms of how protests may expand uh how disinformation various forms of political disinformation move about um, this is something we saw in the brazil election recently uh, where bolsonaro's team previously used WhatsApp, then moved to Telegram. Um, now they're spreading disinformation across multiple different social media uh, social media services, and you know, being able to monitor how tech how changes in technology are impacting things like protests and disinformation, um, as well as security issues, I think I think is a you know an important part to both political risk and the security risk side of things. It's so interesting because many companies now are deploying uh, kind of an integrated platform if you will to get ahead of the curve on things like uh information coming out of social media uh information coming from um uh on the ground sources OSINT sources and uh and then providing an early picture of the risk and uh and so you would be you would be a data element in that. You could provide them insights on where to mine the data uh, and uh, and be able to proactively plan against that data. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of, one of the things that I do is I, I'm, I can be a data point um, in the sense that I can go do interviews and, and, and enter those interviews into the larger data sphere. And then I'm, I'm also just one of the things that I do is I'm able to look at a large set of data and sort of find patterns within. Um, so I, I can work both ends of that system. Of course, patterns are, of course, the core foundation of predictive intelligence. So uh, that's fantastic. Now, I, now I've got a picture of where you're coming from, how you think, how you apply that to your, your business and your customers. Um, let's talk about your 
um, Latin American Risk Report, which is a weekly newsletter you publish. What are you aiming to do with that report? Who's your audience? Uh, that's a great question, and it's evolved over the years. Um, you know, th this started as bloggings by Boz in September 2004, as I was bored one weekend and just start, decided to start a blog because that's what every elder millennial generation did around the mid 2000s. Um, and, and it was really just an outlet for me to write. And, uh, and, you know, I just started writing and, and, and you know, the, the focus became Latin America because that's often where things end up. And it, I picked up an audience. I picked up an audience among businesses. I picked up an audience among think tanks. Uh, I picked up an audience among governments. Um, it's. It, it, I would love to say that I, I, I'm aiming the Latin America Risk Report, which is it, the blog has sort of gone into the, what is now the newsletter um, at a specific audience, at a specific business. But you know, many times it's just my outlet for writing because I'm interested. I, I apologize if there's background noise here. There's a, there's a truck passing by here. Um, uh, as happens in Latin America, I'm currently based in Bogota. You occasionally get the the, the street uh, the street vendors pop pa pass by with uh with the, with the audio thing. I apologize for that. Um, anyway, the, the outlet remains whatever I'm interested in, which is which is really which is really kind of funny, right? I, I often think, who's my audience? Is my audience the security sector? Is my audience the finance sector? Is my audience the think tank world? And ultimately, uh, what I found is the best thing I can do is keep the audience to being whatever I feel about write, writing about. And if people are interested, they'll read. And if people aren't, they won't. Um, and it, you know, it's not exactly the best business model, but it's been what I've been doing for now for 18 years online. And it seems to work in one way or another. What a great segue, uh, because this is very topical now. We're talking, we're in uh, the second day of November, by the way, because this podcast will be published after this at some point in the future. Uh, but um, Boz ended up publishing something that came to my attention before we spoke today. And he sent out a ideal, ideological landscape of Latin America, highly visual. And this podcast has talked about the visualization of data, how critical it is. And uh, and to your point, Boz, you, you sent out this map and it blew up. It It ended up going all over the place and tell me tell me what you were trying to convey with this so-called ideological map and why you think it blew up on the internet uh sure so let me give you the background real quick the background is that brazil's election was this last sunday and lula da silva the former president from 2002 2010 won this time against Jair bolsonaro who is a right-wing populist uh, the current president of brazil and what we've seen in Latin America since the since 2018, 2019 has been an anti-incumbent movement. In fact, Lula da Silva, I believe, is the 15th consecutive presidential election where the incumbent party is lost. Um, but this anti-incumbent movement has been paralleled with more parties on the left have won than parties on the right. And so what you've seen is this wave of left-wing parties sort of taking, taking office in Latin America. And you saw people online and saw major media outlets as well, posting these pictures of Latin America painted all red with, you know, just a couple small splotches of blue for right-wing parties, but really every, every country is red. And instinctively, everybody knows that's wrong, right? It, it is not true that 
Uh, Lula da Silva in, in Brazil is the same as Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela is the same as Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador in Mexico. Um, I could go into the details as to why, but but just ultimately everybody knows that that it's not it's not fair to paint everybody the same color. Um, so it was 5 a.m. in the morning, the morning after the election, and um, I, I'm a morning person. And I saw these complaints online. And I was like, I bet I could do a map. And so I, I threw it together a quick map. I, 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 I'm really good at putting together just sort of quick, dirty maps, uh, you know, by, by, you know, just looking at things and, and then labeling them just so just to give graphical representations. Um, and it was half of a joke. And I, I sort of paused. And the debate was, do I post this to my internal company Substack just to give my my team a laugh or a groan, or do I post it to Twitter? And I was like, oh, I'll post it to Twitter. Um, I, I, I did not expect this to blow up in any way, shape, or form. Um, the goal of the map uh, was not to do anything other than to define the differences among the governments in Latin America and to sort of tell a story about the differences in Latin America. And actually, one of the interesting things about the map is that the legend itself um, that runs along the side from top to bottom is sort of a narrative because it starts with just left and it defines Colombia and Brazil's left. And one of the first questions, like, couldn't you split those countries apart? Yes, I could, but it was just a joke. I did it quickly. Um, you know, and then the next one is Chile, which is left also a Taylor Swift fan. And, you know, I mean, it, the point is, you know, that that sets the tone is I mean for this to be a joke. I don't mean for this to be, you know, a serious you know, analysis of ideologies. I mean, for this to just sort of talk about the the nature of these countries, um, and really the governments. I'm not I'm not trying to talk about the the people of the countries as much as I'm trying to describe the governments. And then I go through and I describe the various types of left wing um, governments. You know, so called left wing governments, whether it's uh, Lopez Obrador in Mexico, who's really quite conservative, quite militaristic, or Argentina, which is economic chaos. Um, and then I go hit the dictatorships around the region, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and I talk about the coolest dictatorship, El Salvador, because Knight Bukele is, has described himself as the world's coolest dictator. Um, and, and, you know, it was really just to tell a story very quickly as a half joke, and then to move on with my day. Um, I did not realize this was going to blow up. Well, there's a couple of things. I was drawn to it. I was drawn to it. I'm a highly visual guy anyway, but I was drawn to it, uh, not even looking at the legend from the standpoint of humor, okay? Humor came second to me. What was interesting is the gradations of the political environment and because I'm a business guy, how it might impact my thinking about business in Latin America. So that was the first thing I gravitated. And I, and I started looking at those gradations and going, well, that's really interesting. And then I got to the humor and I started laughing and realizing that you were pulling a punch in the history of great comedy, like Mark Twain, the, the satire, like Jonathan Swift in England, you, you were pointing out some very important things with a little bit of tongue in cheek, but but I think it blew up because of that. I think it got people thinking in ways they hadn't thought of before. What do you think? You know, I, I think it was helpful to be humorous and tongue in cheek and also state things that I think that that are, you know, somewhat obvious or conventional wisdom to a lot of people. I mean, Argentina is economic chaos. It has a hundred percent inflation rate this year. Um, I, I, you know, if you want to pay for a meal, you have to bring a stack of bills that won't fit in your pocket uh, at this point. 
Um, you know, if, if you want to talk about the world's coolest dictator in, in El Salvador, it's 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 sad, it's tragedy, it's also somewhat comedic that that you know this guy thinks that he's a dictator and that that's a cool thing, and it, it's even worse that you know other people want to emulate him. Um, so there's an element of comedy to it. I think the other thing was that that everybody was sort of able to grasp onto some part of the map, uh, and so it blew up around Latin America, and I've seen it spread across the entire region. Um, because you know, there's there's discussion about Mexico, there's a discussion about Peru, there's discussion about Uruguay. Um, that you know, by just listing Uruguay as a separate as a separate category all to its own, um, which is you know, I think I think was funny, and a lot of both Uruguayans and non-Uruguayans got a got a good laugh out of that. Um, you know, but it, but it did create a discussion, but it also let people grab onto some part of the map. Everybody was able to say, oh yeah, I recognize you know this aspect about this country, and you know, and so it wasn't just one aspect of the map; it was it was the whole map, you know, gra grabbing different parts of the map, grabbing different people. You know, was, uh, let's uh, get a little closer to the data when we talk about blowing up um, great conversation community. You know, this isn't 5,000, this is 5 million. Um, and that was shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, so so I have about five million views on this, and and really the I mean and views and impressions on on Twitter, right? Some of that could just be people scrolling past, but the data suggests that about you know five hundred thousand people at least you know engaged with the content didn't just scroll past it, uh, which is impressive to say the least. I I was I'm, I'm sort of floored by it still, and and that's not even counting the number of people who uh, took the content and used it as their own. I mean, a lot of people just copy and pasted the map into their own Twitter feed or their own. I heard it's, I'm not on Instagram. I heard it spread on Instagram. Um, I know that people received this via WhatsApp or or saw it in their office Slack. Um, you know, the number of views that that came outside of Twitter, I have no idea how what number that is, but it was cer it certainly amplified the 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 the. Um, this map. I'll give you just one example here. Uh, yesterday, Claudia Scheinbaum, the mayor of Mexico City, uh, posted one of the what I consider the bad maps of Latin America. You know, painting the whole region as red, um, and at least fifteen different people replied with my map um, to her to her post, um, and it, which didn't even you know retweet me. And so it, it's it's sort of become a meme of its own in in, in the last two days, and I, I'm still sort of, sort of trying to digest what it all means. That, that, that begs a question, uh, again, looking at it from your business, um, what percentage of government versus commercial are your customers? Can you give us that? Is that uh, can you give us some inside look there? Yeah, no, uh, I have, most of my customers are commercial. I'd say it's uh, more than 75%. I do have, I do have one government contract. Uh, or subcontract, better said, subcontract that I work. But other than that, it's I'd say it's seventy-five to eighty percent commercial uh, business. And that and occasionally I get the the random think tank uh, that pays me to write an article, um, but that generally doesn't uh, constitute much of my revenue. Yeah, I was going to say just like you started, you started with a think tank, right? I mean, I started. Do, yeah, I start. I started just writing a blog, and 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 yes, I did work at a think tank briefly, and and you know, occasionally from time to time, think tanks have asked me, and I I really appreciate you know you know shout out to the Wilson Center and CSIS and CSIS and, and the the, the American Dialogue. They're they're all great think tanks, and I've gotten to write for all three of them at some point. Um, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate the work I get to do for them, but obviously that 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 doesn't uh, pay the bills in the business. Absolutely. Well, uh, anyone can subscribe to the Latin America Risk Report. And of course, anyone can read your weekly newsletter, the Latin America Risk Report and bloggings by Boz, uh, just by going to your website. Um, and um, if people want to engage you 
uh, how do they, how, 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 what's the best way to engage you right now, Boz? Oh, so the best way to engage me, uh, so my, my company is Hexagon, H-X-A-G-O-N. Um, if you Google Boz in Latin America, hopefully it pops up pretty, uh, pretty high up there. Uh, you can email me at info at hexagon.com um, or you can just find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm happy to, to, to chat with almost anybody on any of those platforms. Um, it, it's, it's not, it, it's, 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 uh, I'm happy to chat with almost anybody. One of my, one of my big uh, problems as a person who does business is I'm a Latin American nerd. I mean, what I do is I enjoy talking about Latin America. So as soon as somebody engages me, I just start talking with them, um, which isn't great for business, but it's, 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 it's a good, good lifestyle to say the least. Well, I just want to end one note, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. It was really interesting because you followed up your picture, which blew up to 5 million views with a thousand word <laughs> newsletter to explain it, what you were trying to achieve there. And I always thought, I, I thought that was absolutely backwards, wasn't it? it, it how, how many people have to go, okay, I got 5 million views from this picture. Let's go a little deeper into what I was trying to achieve there. I thought that was really interesting. And it, again, underlines for all of us, a picture visualization of data is worth a thousand words. No, thanks. And, and, and yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those, okay, I have 5 million views. What do I do now? And, 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 and in general, anytime I hit one of those points, the answer is go be a wonk, um, go be the person who analyzes it. And so I, I never intended to write that post when I first posted the picture, but, but that was the, that was the response that I had both personally and professionally. And that's why I did. And actually the, 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 the newsletter itself is, has been very well read. It's going to be the top read newsletter I've ever published. It's going to have, you know, probably, when it's all said and done, probably 10,000 reads. Um, so I'm quite happy with it. When I first was given your name and I went to do my research before speaking with you, um, one of the primary sources, the easy one is LinkedIn, right? Let's go to this and find this James Bosworth. And, uh, and I saw on the top level of LinkedIn, I saw that you are described as an, a writer and that's it. And I go, a writer? Why, why would my alumni ask me to get hold of a writer? Is there a book there or to talk about? What, what, what are we talking about here? And, uh, and, and so I'll urge everyone as you go to LinkedIn, ignore the writer for a second, but as we in the great conversation, remember something, it's a very very interesting thing. This man is pursuing his passion. Monetization comes second. If you go there, the money will come. If you follow your passion and your competencies, the money will come. And I, it's just been a joy, Boz, James Bosworth, otherwise known as Boz, to talk to you today and feel that passion, feel that um, that that need to be who you are and yet help other people in the world because of it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. The writer, the writer is up there on LinkedIn as a reminder that I have to put words on a page every day and I have to hit that publish button. Um, and that's the most important thing that I do. Um, and, but I really appreciate the time today. I appreciate it. I appreciate the questions and, and please feel free to follow up anytime. This has been a great conversation with Boz James Bosworth. Thank you again. Thank <laughs> you.